abide in you. And so we just connect with that reality this morning or, sorry, this evening. We just connect with that. Whoever's listening, it may may be morning, (laughs) but I thank you, Lord, that you are ever-present. And so I thank you that we can just turn our attention to you. It's just a, you're just a thought away. You're just a, you're just a, a shift of our focus away. And so, Father, I'm just praying for folks today that just have struggled with either feeling alone or feeling that you were far away or disconnected from you. Father, I thank you that nothing can separate us from you. Thank you that there is absolutely nothing in the future, in the past, nothing that we've done, God. Thank you that our sin was swallowed up in Jesus on the cross. Thank you that our righteousness now is of him. Thank you that we have been made righteous by the blood of the lamb and that we are perfect and holy and blameless in your sight. We stand before you spotless, God, but we also live in you spotless. And we just, we just right now, Father, we just pray that that illusion would just be lifted off of people's consciousness right now and that they would just connect with the reality of what the scripture teaches, that we are one with you, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we have the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead. (laughs) And I thank you, Father, that that's not based on whether we feel it or not. (laughs) I thank you that it's a reality. It's a perpetual reality. It's an ever never changing reality. I thank you that it's not based on our performance. It's based on Jesus's performance. It's based on what he finished on the cross. It's based because we just recognize him as Lord. We recognize our need for him. We recognize that we are nothing without him, but we thank you, God, that we are not without him. Thank you that we're filled with him. Thank you, God, that we lack nothing, that we have an unction from the Holy One and we know all things. Father, I just, I just release the power of the gospel today, God. You said the power of God, the, the power of the gospel. There's power in the gospel that leads to salvation, God. And I thank you that that's not just a born-again experience, but I thank you that that is a sozo experience. That's a wholeness experience. That's a joyful experience. That's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. God, we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness. We've been placed into the kingdom of your dear son. And God, I just release faith tonight. I release the truth over people, God. I declare there is absolutely no separation between us and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that we are seated on the throne in Christ. We are, we are seated right now at the right hand of the Father in Christ, and Jesus and the Father are one, so that makes us just part of the Trinity, God. We are right inside the middle of the Trinity, and we just, we just remind ourselves tonight, I just release this over, over the, the truth over people that have been, for some reason, just 
struggling to remember this or struggling and feeling separated from God or, 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 or trapped in, a, in an identity that is, doesn't even exist. God, thank you that we have a brand new identity. And Lord, I know last week we talked on prayer. And Lord, I just pray tonight just as an example of what how prayer shifts the atmosphere. God, I think that atmospheres are shifting tonight. Even as I pray, God, as people are listening in their cars, God, the presence of God is filling up their car. I thank you, God, is that people are getting ready in the morning and showering, God. They can hardly stand up in the shower because of the glory of God. I thank you that we are being overwhelmed tonight by the reality of what Jesus Christ accomplished. We we are arising in the fullness of our union with Jesus Christ. We are, we are experiencing it, God. We, this isn't theory, God. So I just break off right now, Father, just the lie that we can't hear, God. The lie, God, that we are separated, that we have to struggle to experience God or struggle to, to find the presence of God. Lord, I thank you that we don't really have to seek your face because you found us. Hallelujah. And you live in us. I think that we're new covenant believers. We're the church. And Father, we have a better covenant. We have better promises. And Lord, we remind ourselves of these things tonight. And Lord, I just release an impartation to people, Father, to pray, to know how to pray, to be have a hunger for the word of God, to hide it in their hearts, Father. So when they're feeling depressed or they're feeling separated or they're feeling the illusion of of like God is way up in heaven and they're just down here in the flesh, helpless and a victim, God. I thank you, Father, that the word will rise up. I thank you that the, that, that, that there are victors that are listening to this podcast, God. They know who they are in Christ. If they forget, praise God, they can open up their mouths and speak the truth. And so, Father, I just release your power tonight. I release your revelation tonight, God. I thank you that this is a divine appointment for every single person listening to this message, whether they're here in person tonight or whether they're listening to the podcast after God. I thank you that it's on your calendar and you have encounters for them. You have truth for them. You have a word and due season for them, God. This is a supernatural Sunday. <laughs> this is a supernatural service. We're leaning on the Holy Ghost because we are, we don't live naturally, God. We live from heaven. We live in heaven. And God, we're, we're we're just, we're sitting in the midst of heaven tonight. Right now, God, we just, we just declare eyes are enlightened. Eyes are enlightened, Father, and we just can see, we can see the hope of our calling. We can see who we are in Christ. We can see Jesus. We can see the Father. We can experience the Holy Spirit. And Lord, tonight is just a breakthrough night. I just declare it for people. I just declare it for people, Father. I just declare a shift a shift in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that was a good prayer to kick things off tonight, I guess. Amen. <laughs> well, we guess we, you know, I taught on prayer last week, which um, if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, you might want to check that out because it really talked about um, just the power of prayer. I taught out of James chapter uh, 5 where it talks about that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And, you know, a lot of times we have a tendency to forget, oh, the power of prayer. And so we deal with our problems naturally. We deal with our problems like people that don't know Jesus, like people that haven't been born again and recreated in Christ. And like we have, we just have to have natural solutions to our problems. And guys, we, we, we've been given, I mean, we've been given the keys to the kingdom. Uh, we 
We have access to the to resurrection power, the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave and set him up at the right hand of God. You know, Jesus said the same works that he did, we would do even greater works. I mean, we were born to be miracle workers. We were born again to be to live supernatural lives. We we're 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 supposed to speak to things. We 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 speak to mountains, we 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 act like crazy people. We see the unseen. We have a, we have an invisible God that made everything that's visible. And we are not to, to live natural lives. You know, to, to, I, I've been teaching really a lot, uh, not only on prayer last week, but I've been, you know, cause it kind of tied into that. But even all year I've been, you know, teaching out of Romans 8 and I've been teaching about this idea that to be carnally minded is death. And I, I, I sometimes I think as Christians, as you know, disciples of Jesus, sometimes I think we we think it's optional to walk in the Spirit. <laughs> you know, we think like, okay, like somehow we we can just live like we did as normal human beings before we encountered Jesus and got filled with the Holy Spirit and became the church right? And the truth of the matter is, is that you and I just don't get that. I wanted to say it's it's not a privilege, but it's, we don't get that option. We don't get that option anymore. We, we, we can't just live naturally. Uh, we haven't been designed for it. And the truth of the matter is, is that we have an enemy. We have an enemy that is roaming around seeking who he can devour. And he is a deceiver. And the number one deception that he wants to get the church, that he wants to get the bride, the one that he wants to get the body of Christ into, is that we're just mere humans, that we, we just, we're just regular old Joes. He wants to strip us of the revelation of what it means to be a son of God, of what it means. <laughs> I mean, think about this. All of creation recognizes you that means that the unseen realm recognizes the christ in you and it the the seen realm is groaning it is moaning it says in romans 8 i'm just going to go over to romans 8 and i'm going to go in the passion translation uh but you know it's the, the creation is groaning for your for you the son of god to manifest and guess what that's not the human you it's not groaning for you, the carnally minded you. The one who thinks, as Paul teaches in Galatians, like a mere human being. He said he had to speak to them as yet carnal. Because they had not yet got beyond, I mean in their case it was strife and envy. and But the point is their thinking was so low level. They were thinking like mere human beings. And we have the mind of Christ. It is a supernatural mind. It is a mind that recognizes that the spiritual realm is the real realm. It recognizes that the unseen realm is what spawned and what created the seen realm. You know, Hebrews 12, 3 says that through faith we understand that the worlds were formed, framed rather, by the word of God. In certain versions it's formed, in certain versions it's framed. It says, so the things that are visible were not made by things that are seen 
And, and one of the primary things about the illusion of separation from God or just the illusion that you're a mere human. I mean, really, they're all deceptions. I mean, lack, an illusion. Uh, the fact, I get it. I mean, they're real. I mean, we have, it, it exists in the natural realm. I'm not denying its existence. But I am saying that it is an illusion. It's an illusion that it has authority over you, or it's an illusion that that's all there is. And so let's just look here for a moment. Here it says, hallelujah. <laughs> um, I'll just start in verse 11 in the, pa- the Passion. It says in Romans 8, it says, yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, it says he will also raise your body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. So then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on us at all, and we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you're, you are about to die. But if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, then we taste his abundant life. Now let me just look at it in a different version here. In the Amplified here, it says this. It says, For if you are living according to the impulses of the flesh, you are going to die. But if you are living by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are habitually putting to to death the sinful deeds of the body. And you really will live forever. He says, for all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, I'm going to just go to the the King James Version really quick. And I'm going to skip up a little bit. And it's talking about the flesh. It's talking about carnality. And I've been sharing off and on about what what is the meaning of these things. And so a lot of people get confused when they read Romans 5, Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans 8, especially in Romans 7 because it sounds like, and depending on the on the translation, and that's why I'm kind of going through a couple of different ones here, sometimes they'll they'll actually translate the word that is in certain versions, the flesh, they'll say as the sinful nature. So it sounds like it's, you know, those that are led by the sinful nature rather than the flesh. And I, I, the flesh, the word here that's translated this is, is better translated flesh. And the reason it's better translated, well, first of all, believers don't have a sinful nature. The only place that we have, if you want to call it a nature, it's not a nature, it's more of a memory. <laughs> we have a sinful memory. We have a carnal mind. We have a, we have a, we have a, an imprint of sin in our, in our minds. That's why, why God says that our minds have to be renewed. But here it says that those that mind the, 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 those that, that are after the flesh, it's death. In verse seven, it says to be carnally minded is death. Now, I'm here again because tonight I'm talking about that you are not supposed to live like a mere mortal, like a mere human being. 
and to rely just on natural solutions, natural human wisdom to solve problems. In the passage translation a moment ago, it says that God's spirit of resurrection lives in you. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, 19, right in there, it talks about that the same, this resurrection power, this is the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave. I mean, it conquers death. I mean, death is no match for the spirit that's living in you, for the power that you've been endued with, for the, for the, the supernatural anointing that is on your life. And I want to encourage you because sometimes it's just too easy to forget. Because that's really all the devil has. He just has the illusion of the natural realm. And he has deception to try to get you to forget or never figure out who you really are. I was in my 30s before I started hearing the the real gospel about what it meant to be in Christ what it meant to be a new creation, what it meant to be righteous by faith, what it meant to be crucified with Christ, what it meant that the old man that had that I had identified with, that was Shalice, had died with Christ on the cross, and that I was now raised to new life. I mean, I was baptized when I was 10, but I didn't understand the symbolism really, of what that represented, that it was it was a symbol of me dying and being raised to new life because I still lived from 10 to my mid-30s, really, separated from God, even though I was born again. And I surely wasn't living supernaturally. I didn't expect to do greater works. Why? Because I was carnally minded. I was being led by the flesh, by the, not the sinful nature that was crucified with Christ, but yet this unrenewed mind, this human way of thinking that had been trained by the world system, that had been trained to think, you know, life is toil. You know, that we live according to our paycheck, that we are limited to the natural resources or the the physical resources that are in our houses. Even though, you know, we're taught, even as a kid, we're taught Bible study stories. We're taught about the multiplication of bread. We're taught about... um, gosh, Moses parting the sea and and we're taught about, uh, you know, the Israelites being fed with man. I mean, the Bible is a miracle book. It is a book of how human beings experience the power of God. And it's in every single book of the Bible. And your life, my life, they should be able, when we get to heaven, this might be there. But we should have, you know, the book of Betty Sue, you know, the book of, of, uh, John. I mean, we do have already John. So let me, let me say it. the book of, um, uh, think of a name. Susan. Book of Susan, right? Book the book of Ray, right? We should have, we should have, you know, there should, there should be st- books and volumes written because it says our lives are living epistles. There should be epistles. There should be stories. 
Why? Because we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You know what they're, they're witnesses to? They're witnesses to the power of God. They're witnesses to that faith works. That we are called to do exploits. And this is a call to, to, to be <laughs> who God recreated you in Christ to be and to wake up and to get out of this carnal mindedness and to get out of this idea that you are a victim, that you are under any circumstance that you may find yourself in. I really, uh, it, truthfully, truthfully, if you knew who you were and you knew who lived in you, and you really knew it. There is the, the, the same reaction, the same result that Jesus would have if he was in that circumstance is the result and the reaction that you would have. Because it literally teaches us that the same works that Jesus did, we would do. In John 14, even greater works. But so many times we, we do, we, we operate under, you know, just as I was praying, this elude, we forget who we are or we never learned who we are. And the word of God teaches us who we are. But here's the thing about listening to Bible teaching. <laughs> I grew up in church. I, I, you know, I, I went to a, a Christian college. But that didn't mean that I understood who I really was and how I had been created, recreated in Christ to live. I mean, there's portions of the church today that teach that miracles are no longer for today. That the power of the Holy Spirit is for reading your Bible every day and uh, doing good deeds. No, when Jesus spoke the Great Commission and he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he said, these signs will follow them that believe. And he says, we'll raise the dead, we'll heal the sick. If we drink anything harmful, it won't hurt us. He was giving... His disciples, and it wasn't just for his disciples. It was for everyone who believes that signs and wonders would follow us. And so I'm asking, when's the last time you believed God for a miracle? When's the last time that you performed a miracle? When's the last time that God got the glory for getting you out of whatever circumstances you are in? When's the last Because here's the thing, guys. You know, I just released my book. Uh, the campaign tomorrow to get the starts tomorrow for the book, the free book download. Check out Facebook. If you're on my email list, you'll be getting things about that. If not, you can sign up at shalice.com to get on the list. But you know, the book is called The Path and it's about, you know, journeying with God and living your purpose. It's about discovering your purpose. You know, your purpose on the planet is bigger than something you can do without God. It is a supernatural purpose. It is it's Abraham being the father of a multitude when he was a hundred. It's Gideon, the poorest tribe, the poorest guy, the coward sitting under the tree. You know, be, being a mighty man of valor and having to be 
I mean, Gideon had too much. God was not even going to let Gideon get any credit for winning the battle. He made him get rid of thousands and thousands and thousands of his army because God can save with just a few. And so you're gonna, it's going to look like a battle where you're outnumbered. It's going to look like you're, you're not qualified. It's going to look like you're too old. It's going to look like if you're Peter, you're a flake when he was Simon. God is not choosing qualified people. He is, he is, he is the qualifier for our purpose. And it is a supernatural purpose that you do not earn. It is a sweatless victory. It is not based upon your wisdom. It is not based upon your performance. It is based upon favor. It is based upon uh, the supernatural, wonder-working, resurrection power of God. I mean, how did Moses deliver those Israelites? Through signs and wonders. You are going to be delivered through signs and wonders. You do not have to eat your way to health. You do not have to exercise your way to health. There is a supernatural healer living inside of you. Sickness is illegal for the church. It is illegal for the believer. That's why after he said in James that the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, he said, if any is sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. He didn't say let him go to the physician. He said call for people that know how to pray the prayer of faith. Because the prayer of faith delivers the sick. How do we know? Because Jesus did it and he healed them all. And so if it's not working, you don't have a sickness problem, you have a faith problem. And I'm just bold enough to say it. Well, Shalice, you're blaming the people. Well, I'm blaming deception. I'm blaming lack of knowledge. I'm blaming, uh, you know, hey, the devil ate my lunch until I was in my 30s because I didn't know who I was. Was it my fault I didn't know who I was? Well, we could blame the church. We could blame my parents. I don't know who to blame. I could blame Adam. But the point is, does it really matter who to blame? As long as we're playing the blame game, we're, we're focused on the wrong thing. Because the currency of heaven is faith. Signs and wonders work by faith. Jesus couldn't do any mighty works in certain towns because of unbelief, because of a lack of faith, because they were carnal, because they didn't recognize who he was, and they were stuck in their world system ways of thinking. Is there anything wrong with taking vitamins? No, of course not. I mean, take vitamins. I mean, they're good for you. That Your body was made to run on them. I mean, praise God for the natural things because we're living naturally. And we'd all be dead if we didn't have the natural things because we haven't learned yet how to totally tap into the wonder-working, supernatural, dead-raising power of God. You know, raising the dead should not be an exception. I mean, Jesus told his 12 disciples, it was just like one of the five. 
I mean, it was, he just slipped it in between healing the sick and cleansing a leper. I mean, we are afraid to go to on the mission field without vaccines. I mean, I'm not condemning you. I'm, I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you because it is, you're not going to fulfill your destiny naturally. You are not going to fulfill the prophecies that God has spoken over your life as a human being. You are going to have to rise up in the fullness of who you are in Jesus Christ. You're going to have to, you're going to have to tell the devil to shut up and sit down. That yes, you are a son of God. Yes, I am who the Bible says I am. The the, the creation doesn't have to moan anymore for me. Creation, here I come. I'm standing up. I'm manifesting now, today. Amen? Amen. And it's not going to happen because we're upset or depressed or worried or frustrated. It's going to happen because we believe. It's going to happen because we are focused on the promise. We're focused on the prophecy. We are focused on the unseen realm. And we can see something like Abraham saw something. Like Jesus saw something for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. Meaning his, you know, the light, are you going to go through an affliction while you're standing in faith? Are you going to go through a test and a trial? Are your, is your identity going to be tested? Well, of course it's going to be tested. That's the way it works. The sower sows the word. What's the word? It's the, it's the prophecy. It's the promise. And it gets, and it, when, when you are standing on a promise, when that prophecy is spoken over you and it gets planted in your heart, it is going, it's going to be attacked. Why? Because the kingdom of darkness cannot afford for you to manifest. The kingdom of darkness is against the power that, that they don't ever want you to know who you are. Why? Because you'll eat, you'll take everything they've been acting like is theirs. They're sitting on your inheritance. There's giants sitting on your prophecy. Giants sitting on your promises. But you know, they're not really giants. They're lies. They're they're thoughts that exalt themselves against the power of God. They're reasonings. They're theories. They're all kinds of unbelief. They're things that say, I am bigger than God's power to bring thy promise to pass in your life. They, are, they, they just exalt themselves over God's power. That's why it says Abraham grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And he became fully persuaded that God was able to do what he had promised. God's prophecies are his business. It's our business to believe. It's our business to manifest sonship. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's our business to remember. It's our business to fill our thoughts with the right things that are pure and lovely, that are of good report. We are to meditate on who, what God has said, who he has called us to be, what he has told us to do. We are to fill our thoughts We are to wage a good warfare over the prophecies that have been spoken before us. You know, when Emerge, we do vision boards of of the things God has spoken over our lives. It's no different than, than what God showed Abraham. I mean, we have Emergers today that are called 
to do all kinds of things. Inventors, uh, musicians, playwrights, authors, prophets, uh, ministry leaders. I mean, just entrepreneurs with all kinds of, of businesses. I mean, a vision, a vision from God. And if you think the vision is going to manifest for your life any different than it's manifested through people in the Bible, it's not going to happen naturally. You are not having bad luck. You're having resistance. Okay? You are not having doors shut in your face because there's something wrong with you. You're having doors shut in your face because there's something right with you. And the door is not going to open unless you use the key to the kingdom. Because you have authority. You have authority over every world system. You have authority over geographic regions. You have authority over metron of influence. Where you live, if you are called to be there, that is your land. The world works for you. Jesus died to give you the best. The kingdom is full of the best. It is heaven on earth. It has everything that you need, everything that you need to fulfill your purpose, everything that you need to fulfill the will of God for your life has already been provided. You lack nothing except the vision to see it and the faith to receive it. I know I'm preaching mad almost. I'm just yelling tonight. But it's, 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 I feel like it's from the Holy Spirit because God, did, Jesus did not die and suffer and go through the agony that he went through. Granted, he, he, dis, I mean, he despised it, ignored it, looked, looked for the joy. But he did not come to earth. He did not humble himself and lay aside his godliness and his, his authority and his, his position. He didn't humble himself and become obedient to death and defeat death. Defeat death. So that you and I would live in fear. So that you and I would live as victims. So that you and I would be under our past or under a false of illusion of a false identity. Or be broke. Or be sick. Or be in strife with our brothers and our sisters. Or with people at work. Or, you know, just, uh, just going through cycles of brokenness for, you know, 50, 60, 70 years. That is not, that was not the, the, You know, if there was a, you know, in business, we talk about a brand promise, right? And the brand promise is kind of like when you think of something, this is what it delivers, you know? Well, the brand promise of the cross was victory. Victory. It's a victory message. It's a victory message. It's a victory over death. It's a victory over sin. It is a victory over the devil. It is a victory over darkness. A victory over sickness, a victory over lack, a victory over everything that does not look like heaven. It is illegal in your life. And the only reason you're experiencing it is either because you've never heard this message, you've never believed this message, or you forgot this message. And the religious spirit hates this message. Religion hates this message. They want to keep you suffering because religion says suffering is humble. No, suffering is illegal. What do you mean, Shalisa, we're not going to suffer? I mean, we might suffer in our fight of faith. You know, it's a suffering. There's a light affliction. We're suffering under circumstances while we're standing. We're suffering under the temptations and trials of the enemy. It is a fight. But what is the, it is not a fight for anything other than to believe. 
We labor. The only labor in the kingdom is to enter into rest. That is the only toil that is allowed in the kingdom. Does it mean we don't work? Absolutely. It means that we work under the anointing and we work supernaturally and we make supernatural progress. And where, and, and where we, wherever we are, we, there's a miracle about to happen. So I don't know what the, what the circumstances are. I don't know what you are believing for right now. I don't know what God is leading you into, right? I'll say this. I do a lot of executive coaching. I, I work with people who, uh, you know, are already executing a vision. They're CEOs. They're uh, leaders of organizations, ministries, nonprofits. And I always talk to them about level one stability. And level one stability is a place where you have a manifestation of wholeness in your life. Uh, It is where you are blessed to be a blessing, meaning that you're not living paycheck to paycheck. Meaning that you are, you're walking in divine health. Meaning that you understand, it doesn't mean that you don't ever have an attack. It just means that you are, you are resisting that stuff successfully. And level one stability, I want to talk about it just from a financial standpoint. Because I'll tell you what, if, if the enemy can keep you broke, he can keep you in bondage. And we have not been given a spirit of slavery. We've not been given a poverty mindset in the kingdom. We've been given the king's mindset. And it is, a, it is an abundant mindset. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And abundance is first and foremost a mindset. And if you are in need of a, a financial miracle, I want to encourage you. There are financial miracles available. (laughs) The Bible is full of examples of financial miracles. Yes. Praise God. We got some in the audience that just had one. But yes, I mean, there is, there is, there are financial miracles with your name on it. A lot of times I think, I just feel like I want to go into this. A lot of times we we just struggle with because we don't know the will of God or we're confused about the will of God. You know, we, 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 we aren't clear about the will of God. And that's one of the reasons why I I taught on prayer last week, but you know, hearing the voice of God and, and being able to know his will is a very, it's level one stuff. And what I mean by that is, you know, we can know the generic will of God just by the gospel. I mean, just by the Bible. I mean, the Father's been willing heaven on earth since the beginning. He created the garden as heaven on earth. He told Adam, tend the garden and be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and take dominion. In other words, cause heaven to dominate the earth. That was the original mandate from God. You know, and, and when Jesus came, he said, hey, repent. 
In other words, change your mind. Upgrade your thinking. Take on a different mindset. Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he began throughout his earthly ministry to just bring heaven to earth. Whether it was bringing healing, whether it was bringing supernatural provision, when the guys had toiled all night and caught nothing, multiplying bread, whether it was cursing a fig tree because there are not figless trees in heaven. I mean, whether it was uh, raising the dead, touching a leper without fear, whether it was rebuking religion. There's no religion in heaven. There's no pharisaical thinking in heaven. There's no... Uh, just over and over again, he just kept releasing kingdom culture and he kept releasing the power of the kingdom and the, the, the glory of the father's realm, of the father's government, of the, of what it means to live as a son. And you and I are citizens of heaven. We are citizens of the kingdom now. And so I don't, you know, knowing the generic will of God is very easy. It's literally heaven on earth. And if it doesn't exist in heaven, well, then it's, it doesn't exist in the kingdom. And it's, it does, it, it's illegal in your life. The word says whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever we release on earth or whatever we loose on earth is loose in heaven. And the amplified version, and I can read this real quick, but the amplified version, it says, whatever you declare lawful on earth, must be whatever is lawful in heaven. And whatever you declare unlawful on earth is what must be declared unlawful in heaven. So let me just go here. I'm going to go. I think I'll... Do I want to go to... Where I want to go here. Here we go. Let me find it in the Amplified. It's Matthew 16, verse 19. And I'm going to go in the Amplified Bible just so I can read this. Matthew 16, in verse 19, it says, I will give you the keys, authority of the kingdom of heaven. I want you just to stop here for a minute. I, I could back up here for a moment because this whole, this whole scripture is so incredibly powerful. I talk about it actually in my book. I talk about, I call it the identity cycle. And it's this scripture where Peter is waking up to his true identity. His name was Simon. Jesus renames him to Peter here. And he tells him that, you know, upon this rock, Peter means rock, I'm going to build my church. And in my book, I talk about how it's not just about Peter being a rock and his name being a rock, but G Peter is in the rock, which is Christ. And he's a little rock, a Petra. He's a little rock. And that it's upon this revelation of the rock you know, not just Jesus being the rock, but us being in the rock. It's a, it's a union, a picture of union here. And that upon that revelation, he's going to build the church. And it's also a, a saying that upon, upon you realizing who you are, that's how I'm going to build the church. The church is going to be built up as the sons of God arise. But here he's telling Peter that I will give you the keys, authority of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, meaning whatever you lock up with these keys, 
whatever you put in bondage with these keys, what you bind up with these keys. And it says to forbid, to declare improper and unlawful on earth. It says, we'll have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, whatever you permit, whatever you declare lawful on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. Now that's the amplified, the amplified version. You could also go to the amplified classic, which is a little bit different. I don't have it on my iPad here, but the point is here is that we have these keys. And let me say this. These keys are not natural. These keys are not carnal. These are supernatural keys. These are, this is a, this is an authority that you carry. And my question is, are you using it? Are you using your authority to, to bind up the things that we know are not the will of God? I mean, this is generic gospel stuff. I mean, Jesus defeated the enemy. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness, right? I mean, it says that he's seated far above powers and principalities. I mean, in Matthew 28, Jesus said, all power and all authority has been given unto me. He told his disciples in Acts 1.8 to wait, right? And he said that you will receive power. And there's two words for power in the, in the New Testament. One is dunamis and one is, one is exousia. And one, one, one translation of power means authority and one means uh, uh, just power. And we've been given authority and we've been given power. And it's not, it's not separate from God. It's not like God's authority. I know we talk about it being delegated, but you have to remember we're one with him. We're one with him. So we don't just have his authority. We have him. We have the authority grantor. Right? We don't just have his power. We have the power source. It's not like, you know, like he, he gave us a badge and a gun and then, you know, we're just out there on our own. No. We, the, the sheriff is in us. You know, these key, like it's important that you get convinced, that you read the scripture yourself. You know, if you go back and listen to my Easter message that was on Easter Sunday, if you, if you doubt what Jesus accomplished or not sure or, or are not convinced about what Jesus accomplished when he came out of the grave and what he defeated. But we have these, we have this, so the, the, the will of God just based on the gospel, just based on Genesis through the cross, it's heaven on earth. And because we're in Christ and because we're like Peter, the rock in the rock, we have authority. These keys are keys of authority. We have keys to declare what is proper and what is, what is, what is, what is permissible. You know, I pray a lot and I say this, I release the jurisdiction of heaven over this situation. It's legal talk. It's legal talk. I mean, so much of the gospel, we could, you could, you can preach the whole gospel through it as a, as a legal message that we've been acquitted. There's no condemnation. There's no guilty verdict. We're, we're not guilty. The condemnation is kind of like there's no jail sentence for those that are in Christ. There's no punishment for those that are in Christ. The wrath, there's no wrath. There's just, you, you read, you, you know, it, it took me a long time before I recognized what Jesus actually did. And I'll tell you, when you really get what Jesus actually did, it, it should change what your experience looks like. I learned that you attack lack. 
Just like you would attack cancer, just like you would attack a headache, just like you would attack depression, just like you would cast out a devil. You cast out lack. And when you have a prophecy or you have a promise, you know what? You see it done. You meditate on it. You, you see it done. You receive it. Amen. How do you receive it? Well, you see it as done. And there are specific battles that we are facing right now that are upgrades, that are, that are just, just against the goodness of God. I mean, some of you need to believe God for a vacation. Some of it just doesn't even need to be real spiritual. It's just you're tired. You need to relax and get away somewhere. You need to get to the beach. But you're so under the idea that you can't afford it, that you think God's broke. That God can't just get you, get, pay for a vacation just because he loves you. Just because you're the king's kid. Just because you're daddy's favorite. Just because that's what you need in order to continue to the next uh, day. I mean, God rested. He didn't have a problem with taking a day off. The Sabbath rest, I mean, it's all through there. But, you know, but that others are in a, in a battle that's more fierce. Maybe it's a battle for your life. Maybe you've got a, a, a terminal situation, a terminal diagnosis. Maybe, maybe you're battling for just the provision to know where your meals are coming from. I mean, the bottom line here is, is that You are allowing some things in your life. Because even though you have the keys, even though you have the authority of Jesus, even though you are in Christ, a son is manifested. It says as long as the, as long as the, the heir is a child. It says this in Galatians, that even though he owns the entire estate, he lives like a slave. And that's what happens when we aren't, when we aren't operating as sons. And so I'm talking about the will of God though. It's a generic will. So this is just the basics here. This is like level one basics. Then there's the specific will of God, which you're going to have to hear. Where am I called to live? Where am I called to work? Where am I called to, uh, minister? Where am I called? To, what, what's the, what's the, the call of God on my life? Where am I called to get prepared? What am I called? Who am I called to serve? What am I called to do today? What, what is, you know, what is, what are the goals that we have for this year? What are you doing in my life this year? What, what, what are we, what miraculous thing are you doing in my life this year? What breakthrough are you doing in my life this year? In my family's life? And then, it's going to happen by faith. It's going to happen because you <laughs> believe. Because you have labored to enter into rest. And because you took that word that was sown, and when it went into your heart, you stood. You stood. The enemy came. He tried to tell you, oh, you know, you're not going to break through in that area. That promise, that, that goal that you set for this year, oh, that's ridiculous. Who are you to try to do that goal? You know, it's just, it's just going to, it's like the giant taunting David, you know, but David, guess what? He taunted the giant. He said, who are you to defy the armies of the living God? That's exactly what you tell the circumstances. Who are you to defy the son of God? 
Who are you to defy Jesus? Who are you to defy me, a son? It's about knowing who you are. And it's about using the authority and the power and living supernaturally. So back to my point, we can't do this carnally. We can't do this thinking like a human being. We can't do this forgetting the gospel every day and waking up depressed. No, you have got to, if that's you, you need to put this podcast on and you need to listen to it until you can preach it back memorized. You have got to fill your mind with something besides your own depressing thoughts. You have got to think on another level. And if you, you, it's okay that you can't do it on your own. That's why we have the gospel that's preached. That's why we have messages of faith. That's why we have a podcast. It's to encourage you. It's to remind you. You know, I, I, I always kind of joke about my call as, as part of it is to wake you up. I am a, I'm a, I, I startle you out of the sleep that you're in. I, it's like, I, I'm telling you, wake up and change the world. Wake up, sons. Wake up. Wake up to the reality of the kingdom, to the reality of who you are, to the ra- reality of what belongs to you, to the reality of your inheritance, to the reality of the unseen realm, to the reality of the provision that has your name on it, to the, to the healing, to the promises, to the prophetic declarations and futures, to, to what, what God is wanting to do right now in this season. Wake up. Wake up. And I get that it's a, it is a truly, it is a daily fight. It is a daily fight, but it's not a fight against the circumstances. It's not a fight against people. It's not a fight against external seen things. It is a fight for what you are going to focus on. It is a fight for focus. It is a fight for focus. I don't even know if I said it last week or if I've been, I've been talking to so many people and teaching different things. But I, you know, I bought this planner this year called the Full Focus Planner because it is like, it is, it is absolutely imperative that we stay focused. I love the name of it. I just, full, the Full Focus Planner. Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm full focus. Why? Because I'm full, I, I'm, I, it's full throttle. You know, Jesus rebuked his disciples over and over and over again for their lack of faith. He told Peter when he walked on water and then he started to sink, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Now, granted, I don't know how many of you guys have ever walked on water, so we don't really have any room to talk here. But, in that, you know, and you know why Peter, why Peter actually started to sink? It's because he lost his focus. He lost his focus and he stopped looking at Jesus. He stopped looking at the word that that Jesus had spoken to him, which was come. When Jesus speaks to you to do something, when he gives you, I mean, mean, he's not going to give you something that's possible for you to do in your own strength. Now, I mean, it's okay that that this is too hard for you. That's not a reflection. Like, don't get your self-esteem from that. Like, oh, I can't do this. I, I, I should think bad about myself. Well, you know, we, we th- it's almost like we think that's humility sometimes. Like to be a, to just, oh, I'm just a human. That's humility. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're a son. You're filled with the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. If you're going to, you want to be humble, then agree with that. 
Agree with who God says he is and stop being so self-centered on, on, a, on, a, on a person who doesn't even exist anymore from God's perspective. Don't focus on that. Because when Peter just focused on that simple word, come, you know, your goal, whatever that goal is, whatever God has put before you, be clear about your goals. Because I tell you what, the devil will come to confuse you, get you distracted, get you all over the place. I mean, you know, I follow where basically I get seven to ten for the year, and then I take three for every quarter. Three for every quarter. And I'm telling you, I'm like a dog on a bone. And I got my full focus planner there, and it's and I'm at the place now where it's down to the day. This gets, I mean, why? Because people are counting on me to manifest sonship. This is life or death for people that are in your future, possibly. You don't know. You don't know who's, who needs what you carry. You don't know whose answer to prayer you were born to be. I mean, what if Joshua had not been a man of faith? An entire nation would have missed out on their inheritance. I'm called to release people into purpose, to, to cause them to manifest their unlimited potential in Christ, to do the impossible, to dream big dreams and, and, and actually see them come to pass. And so that means God's, if you're listening to me, God's going to give you a command like he did to Peter that is not a human possible command. These goals should be bigger than you. And when he gives that command, when he gives you that goal, you know where you're going to have to keep your eyes? On Jesus. On what he said. And let me tell you this, you're going to have to see yourself doing it. You're going to have to see it finished. Because that's what faith does. Just like Abraham. It changes his name from Abram to Abraham. It means if you are sick, you call yourself healed. You call yourself, if you're called to, you're a millionaire, okay? You're, you're, you're a, a business owner. You're a, you're whatever God has said that you're, you are called to be. Peter's a water walker. Gideon's a mighty man of valor. You change your identity to be what that goal says you are. That's why Simon got a new name, Peter, because he's a rock. But he said, you know, come, Peter, come. The same works I do, you can do. Come. And Peter walked on water. He was doing the impossible. And then, you know, the wind and the waves started to get... He looked at the circumstances. He looked at the natural realm. He got his focus off. He didn't fully focus on Jesus. And he began to sink. But, you know, Jesus said, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Doubt is caused by double focus. Doubt is caused when you look, you look away from the word that God has given you. You look, let me, you know, I, I had a, a, a rethink RMR session last Friday. You know, my, mine are kind of interesting these days. A lot of times they're just encounters. Not that they aren't all encounters, but I mean, it's not like I'm going back to memories or doing healing work. Sometimes it's just like, and this one really was just, all it was was God like connecting the dots between things that he'd spoken to me for like, I don't know, five to seven years. I mean, significant, when I say speaking to me, I mean significant words that he had given me. 
Why? Because the focus has got to be on what he has spoken. It hasn't changed since Joshua. It hasn't changed. Meditate on my word day and night, and then you will make your way successful, and you will find good success. In Joshua 1.8. You know, Joshua went into Jericho. He's like, see, this day have I given Jer- Jericho into your hands. In other words, God, was, God works a certain way. He declares his will to us. He gives us the prophetic glimpse of our future. He gives us a command, come. He, he calls us our, out our destiny. Abraham, you're the father of a nation. But guess what? Then he's going to, the whole rest of the journey is, a, is, is to believe and to, man, to, to see the manifestation of that stuff by faith. And it happens only one way, through focus. Focusing on what God has spoken. Focusing on what, where he's leading you. When he gives you a goal, he wants you focused on it. Focus is a huge issue in the kingdom. I mean, Jesus had to focus on the joy that was set before him. It says in that same scripture there in Hebrews 12, it says, set aside all the things that will distract. Lay aside the weight of the sin that does so easily beset you, that it entangles you. And look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. That means he's going to start you on faith. He's going to give you the word, come. And he's going to be the one that empowers you to get out of the boat and get on the water and start doing something supernaturally that's impossible for you to do on your own. And he's the one that's going to finish it. He's the one that's going to start it, and he's the one that's going to finish it. He's the alpha and the omega. It means that you don't get to ever stop focusing. And when, when we are not focusing on Jesus and we are looking at the wind and the waves, we're looking at ourselves like a grasshopper or like a poorest man in the tribe or whatever. When we start to, for, to doubt who we are based upon our past, based upon what other people think about us, based upon what we think about us, we need to get an agreement with God because we, when we get, when we look at all that stuff, it, 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 we're carnal. It literally brings us right back into the being carnally minded where it's the same as looking at the wind and the waves. And guess what happens? We begin to doubt. We either doubt ourselves. We doubt God. We doubt, oh, this is too big for me. This is too hard for me. Who am I? To, like a million doubts. A million doubts. It's a battle for identity. It's a battle for the vision. It's a battle because it is, of course, the winds are going to be contrary. Why? Because that's what makes it supernatural. That's what makes it God-oriented. That's what makes it God. And let me say this, for folks that have Walked on water and failed. Walked on water and failed. Walked on water and failed. Maybe you're like Peter. Guess what? Well, praise God you got out of the boat. You know how many people just sit in their comfort zone and never take a risk? If you're wanting to know what the wisdom of God is, where is faith? Wisdom is always faith. And you know what faith is? It's risk. Faith has a risk of failure. Faith has a risk of sinking. Faith has a a risk of exploding in your face. And it doesn't mean that you weren't wise because you didn't do it. It meant that you, maybe it just means that you were, you doubted. 
and you weren't fully persuaded, but you still made the right decision to get out of the boat. And guess what? You're probably going to learn something because you got out of the boat and God's going to be right there encouraging you to get, keep walking on the water. What? He didn't give up on his disciples just because they couldn't cast out the devil out of the demoniac kid. They didn't give up on his disciples just because they forgot the miracle of the loaves. He didn't give up on his disciples just because they doubted. I mean, he didn't give up on Thomas because he needed to, to put his hands in his side. I mean, why? Because it was just carnal stuff. I mean, it was just, it was, it was a fight between their physical senses and their carnal thinking or their, their natural human thinking and supernatural thinking with the mind of God that all things are possible if you can believe. And so if you are looking to make a decision right now, and here's the thing, people say, well, I don't know if I've got the faith for that. Well, if you, okay, that whole conversation is the wrong focus. Anything except focusing on what God has spoken is the wrong focus. Everything else is doubt. Everything else is doubt. This, you do not, this is not a reasoning you have. This is a vision that you have. And this is a meditation that project that you have got. I have had babies this way. I have received untold hundreds of thousands of dollars this way. And it works every time you believe. And when you look away and you look in the wind and you look at the waves or you get your eyes on you and you start thinking you're a grasshopper and the whole thing is giants or you let other people's opinions sneak into your identity rather than trusting who God says you are and who the Bible says you are, well, guess what? You're probably going to start to sink. And the answer is always the same. Get your eyes back where they need to go. I mean, I love it when, when God told Peter, because, you know, he's like, well, what about John? What do you mean? Well, what if he's here until you come back? And, 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 and literally Jesus rebuked him again and said, what does that have to do with you? Comparing yourself to somebody else, thinking you should be further along, thinking, let me tell you, wrong focus. I'm too old. I'm too this. I'm too broke. I'm too, la, 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 la. wrong focus. What has God spoken? You already know the generic will of God. It's heaven. It's supernatural. But what is what supernatural exploit is God telling you to do? What is too big for you? Now, you for some people, it may be like, well, that's no big deal. I could do that. Well, what does it matter about anybody else? For you, it may be walking on water, maybe getting out of bed because you've been depressed for the last 15 years. And that is not a darn thing wrong with that being the goal. Because you are not in competition with anybody to be the son of God that God created you to be. You are not in competition with anybody to be you. So whatever the goal is, there is no such thing. It just has to be bigger than you. It has to get you out of a stronghold or a mindset or a little bitty person thinking that maybe you just have never overcome before. Some of you need to believe God just for a hundred bucks that you didn't earn, that you didn't toil for. That you just, you just, maybe God's saying, just believe me for, I mean, if you've been in poverty your whole life or you've been in lack your whole life, God's got a vision for you that you can't afford. You're going to have to believe God now or later. You might as well start now. He's called you to do something you cannot pay for. Boy, you better hear me. 
I mean, I've had, you know, and, and I'll tell you, the religious spirit loves to try to get you to earn it. Religious spirit loves you to try to feel good about yourself based on you earning it. It's called self-righteousness. Man, I'll tell you, that was a good decade to get that in me. But it was worth every single bit of the pain it took. Because you can't get me to work for anything. Ha! I don't work for stuff. I don't... That is a good declaration right there. It's like God can say, finally, somebody I can work with. Finally, somebody that I can, that I can get some money through because they're, 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 they recognize that it comes the same way their salvation did. By the cross of Christ. He who receives an abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness will reign in life as a king. You want to reign in life? You want to, you want to live like a king? Receive an abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Stop earning anything in your relationship with God. Enjoy your marriage union with Jesus. Enjoy your oneness with Jesus. Enjoy the gift, the unmerited, unearnable, unlosable gift of being put inside of the King of Kings. And through that union, becoming a joint heir. Oh, it's good news. It's good news. It's better than we've been taught. It's better than we've lived. It is so good. And you know, I, you, you don't hear it everywhere. You hear it more now in these days than we ever did, I think, in, in decades past. So we've got it pretty good. But connect, connect with the people preaching the real gospel, people preaching a message that you know in your spirit, you know, it's almost too good to be true. Well, that's the gospel. But back to this. God has goals. God has things that he's wanting to accomplish this year. And it's, 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 oh gosh, it's good. And I just, I really feel this word for people tonight. If you aren't sure what to do, go the way of faith. Go the way of faith. What has God spoken? What is God saying? I mean, is it risky? Yeah! Is it scary? Yeah, sometimes. It is. Because when, you, when you're out on the water, right, you can't fake it. Where you're, what you're focused on, hey, there's going to be natural evidence of it. You know, either you're going to be walking on the water or you're going to be sinking. And there's no condemnation. Faith pleases God. Faith is what pleases. He loves it when his kids get out of the boat and take a risk and get themselves into a situation that's over their head unless God shows up. Well, Shalise, that's just presumption. Really? I've heard that my whole life. I have not, God has never once told me there is even such a thing. I can't even find it in the Bible. You know what I find? I find people growing in faith. I find people 
making mistakes and getting second chances, getting third chances, getting fourth chances. I mean, how long did it take Abraham to have this kid? Right? I mean, him and Sarah, it wasn't like just a, you know, one week later. I mean, God's like, they're lying to the people. You know, I mean, they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And God's just blessing them, making them rich. Why? Because it was a picture of what it means. He's the father of faith. It's a picture of, of what it means to be uh, favored by God's choice, by his choice. To have a covenant that he made with Abraham. Not a, based on Abraham's performance. I mean, Abraham was a wild man going up there, going to kill his own son. I mean, I think that's a little crazy. I mean, I don't know if that was faith or not faith, but I'm thinking... Just God honored the man, honored the man, honored his faith. And he's, we're still talking about him in 2018. Yeah, God made his name famous. A heathen. And so it's, it's, it's okay to make a mistake. If God is not bigger, I mean, God didn't look at Peter and go, you know what, just drown, dude. You know, that's it. Pfft, can't walk on water. You doubted. Now he, he rebuked him and said, you know what? You got a faith problem. You got a doubt problem. You looked at the wind. You looked at the waves. You should have been looking at me and focused on the word I spoke to you. You know, hey, you got to look at the wind and the waves. You're going to sink. I mean, he, he probably learned. I mean, we're still learning from Peter. I mean, we learn as much from our failures as we learn from our successes. Who rode a bike the first time they ever tried it? Who who walked the very first time they ever got as a kid, right? You probably fell on your little pampered butt, right, for a little while. I mean, wh- who's done anything perfectly? I mean, like, you got to have perfect faith? No, you got to have a mustard seed. Little bitty mustard seed worth, you know? And and really, doubt is the is the killer. And doubt comes because we aren't focused. I mean, I'll tell you, I, if I learned anything, it's like I, I said, I had that session these last couple of weeks ago. And if you've never done a, a Rethink RMR session, they are so phenomenal. There's information on my, my website about it. and uh, You know, contact the ministry if you want to know more about it at info at schlease.com. But, you know, they're just two-hour sessions with God that, that are encounters with God. I mean, I have people here saying they change your life here. And they do. They really do. And, you know, but my point is, is this last one that I did, it literally was with God just refocusing me. What have I spoken? What have I spoken? What have I spoken? I was asking him the other day about a decision. He's like, I've already told you. I was like, you did? He didn't ask, answer the question. Like it was, I was asking like a specific question. Like sometimes we're like, well, should we do X or should we do Y? And the answer to all of those questions is always what does faith look like in the situation? You know, I, I, for years that, you know, I'd had to just stop listening to people's counsel because they would, I'm not saying I don't listen to counsel, but just certain people's counsel would come and be like, well, I don't know if that's wisdom, you know, is wisdom to, and it was really, I remember talking to the Lord about it one time and he said, Shalise, fear dresses up like wisdom all the time. He said, he's got a wisdom costume and it's deception. He says, you go in the Bible and find me somewhere where they played it safe. The safe zone is not the miracle zone. 
The safe zone is the human zone. You're like, well, how do you know? I don't know. You know, well, you you got to grow up. you got to grow in faith. You've got to grow in the, the knowledge of what it means to be spiritually mature. And to be spiritually mature means you are not carnal. It means you are not being led by your feelings. You're not being led by your physical senses. You're not being led by the way things look, by the wind and the waves. You are being led by the Spirit. There is one path to maturity, and it is hearing the voice of God. You can know Scripture and be spiritually immature. The Pharisees did. So do you search the Scriptures looking for eternal life, but yet you fail to come to me. Me as a person. We are following a person. Now granted, the Bible tells us about the person. Uh, The Bible is the inspired word of God. And guess what? Jesus and Holy Spirit will speak to you through the word of God all day long. I mean, I tell God sometimes, I need a scripture for that. You need to back that up. That seems a little radical. (laughs) He always supplies it. You know, I think I'm probably preaching so, so strong tonight because it's probably just as much for me as anybody else. You know, if we, if you, if you haven't been in a situation lately where there's no way out but God, you might want to check that you are actually in the will of God. Because we're called to do big things. We're called to do impossible things. We're called to do things, and I would just say this, bigger than us. Bigger than where we are in our mindset right now. Why? Because the mindset changes as we do it and as you focus. Guess what? When you meditate on that word day and night and you keep it before you and you read it and you read it and you read it and you read it, well, guess what? You get convinced of it. You think, well, yeah, this is a done deal. If you are not... If you don't regularly, like, really, really experience God or you get confused about his will or you, you don't know how to use your spiritual senses, meaning you aren't having uh, Holy Spirit-inspired imaginations that are coming from God and you're not able to sit down and, and journal your thoughts from God really anytime, anywhere, or, or so forth. You know, I encourage you to, to get the copy of my new book. Right now it's an electronic form. The, the paperback will be out um, in September. But you, you can buy it on Kindle, uh, on Amazon.com. Uh, tomorrow I'll start publishing the links via email. Um, I can give it to you now. It's not live yet, but it's called uh, thepathfreebook.com. If you go to thepathfreebook.com, you can download either. It'll send you an email with either a Kindle version or a PDF version of the book. And uh, I, I encourage you to really take, this book will teach you how to encounter God. And when you are done with that book, you will know your purpose. And if you want help, I'm, I'm launching the PATH program as well uh, this week. And so that's a, a, a you know, a high-end or a higher-end program for folks that, when I say high-end, I just mean it's a, an, ex, an accelerated version of going through that material with me personally. Um, as an executive coach, as a transformation coach with you. And I'm just saying, your life will be different. And I'm sharing that because until you can encounter God the way I'm discussing, until you can experience him and communicate with him anytime, anywhere, using your 
activated spiritual senses. When I mean that, meaning you know how to use them, you know how to connect. And it doesn't mean that you don't ever struggle with it. It just means you know how to overcome the struggle and you don't allow disconnection from God for any length of time whatsoever. Um, until you get to that place, well, you are going to be carnal. You're going to be carnal because you're not connected to the realm of the spirit and you're not connected to the spirit. And you're not able to be led of the spirit because you can't hear the spirit. You've got to be able to follow. You've got to, I mean, how are we supposed to follow someone we can't even see? How are we going to follow someone we can't even hear? How's he going to give us directions or instructions if we can't hear them? If we can't, if we can't communicate and interact with the one that we're following, I, I don't even understand how any of these scriptures make sense. And it's not optional, it's foundational. And he wants to tell you the goals. And he wants to give you something to focus on. Whether it's, and you get to help, you know, and when I say he wants to give it to you, here's the great thing about God, he's not a dictator. Even though he's a master, he's not a dictator. He's not a control freak. You know, he would come to people that, he would ask them, what do you want me to do for you? You know, they were obviously blind. Still asked them. He didn't just assume they wanted to be healed. Matter of fact, the one guy had been sitting there for all those years. He's like, do you really want to get well? I mean, it was, your desire plays a big part into what God wants to do for you. And so it's, it's if you haven't sat down and got clear about that, well, when is that going to happen? It's not too late. I mean, God created all the heavens and the earth in seven days. I mean, I know we work on a calendar year, but, you know, it's they got the Jewish calendar year. But the point is, is that what God can do, God can do in a day what would take, what, millions of years of evolution? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, a day with him is like a thousand years. I mean, like we're, time is a completely different thing with, when we're dealing in God with God. And so there's no limitation. Matter of fact, it really is according to your faith. How quickly things progress is according to your ability to stay focused, according to your ability to believe. And I feel like that sometimes everything gets so complicated and it just needs to be simple. Now, we can't, I mean, Joshua had one campaign, right? I mean, take the land. And then it was just city by city. I mean, the battle, the ground was taken one victory at a time. The emergers, we'll just, I'll wrap up with this story. The emergers this last Saturday, we have what we call the core values class. And, and uh, one of the books that we read was something called The One Thing. And it's such a good book about focus. It talks about the lie of multitasking and having it all and balancing. And it just talks about the power of focus, really, and the momentum. It's, you know, there's a quote in there. I have lots of, I wrote down lots of quotes, but one was like, if you chase two rabbits, you'll catch neither one. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. No man can serve two masters. When your eye is single, your body is full of light. I tell you, I, I've learned in the last 
decade, the critical nature of focus. And it has been quite a work God has done in my life to whittle off all of the agendas (laughs) besides his agenda, his single agenda. So, well, Father, I thank you for the things that you've spoken tonight. I thank you for the answers that you've given people. I thank you for the direction that you've provided. I thank you for clarity, and I thank you for uh, continuing to speak. I thank you that this is just, uh, you started a conversation tonight with them while I was talking, but God, you're not finished talking. I thank you that you've got more to reveal, more to discuss, and that you are the author of their faith. and You are the finisher of it. And so this is coming from you. You're their source. And I just am trusting you. I'm entrusting them to you that you're going to continue to lead and guide them into all truth. You're going to show them things to come. That's what you do, Holy Spirit. You give them visions of the future. And I thank you that that's exactly what's going to happen here, God. I thank you for encounters with people's future. Visions of victory. Visions of victory. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, awesome. Um, For those that are here live, I know they'll probably stop the recording here. Maybe they'll keep going depending on how the uh, editor's led. But does anybody have any questions? I have a few minutes for questions before we go. Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah, good question. Really, really good question. Like, how do we keep this in front of us? Well, there's two pieces of it, really. One is remember, just remembering you need to keep it in front of you. <laughs> I mean, just remembering the things that were taught tonight so you just don't fall back into a slumber, right? And so the best way to remember just these principles that we're called to live supernaturally is, is literally hearing it. Um, and so... It's hearing faith teaching. I mean, this is particular type of teaching. Uh, I mean, I can teach on grace. I can teach on inner healing. I can, t- I can teach on a gazillion topics. But really the power of tonight's message, and of course it's Supernatural Sunday messages here, is really about living supernaturally. It's really about faith. And, and if you are going to uh, do the impossible, if you are really focused on... Uh, living by faith, then you need to hear faith teaching. And, of course, this is a good message. Um, I, I listen to Bill Winston, who is my uh, spiritual father. He ordained me in the ministry. And, I, I mean, I'm at a place, you know, I've, I've been with Pastor Bill for so long. Dr. Bill, I can almost just listen to the intro and get pumped up and full of faith. You know, it's just, it's like this, da, da, da. I mean, you know, it's just like super pumped up. And for me right now, my t- you know, I, I'm, I'm structuring a lot of just daily rituals so that I'm creating some new habits around some things. And for me, it's like on the treadmill, I'm listening to, to faith-filled podcasts, you know, in the shower. I'm, so I have specific routines that I'm feeding myself those teachings because they have to become, it has to become a habit. It has to, I mean, you just have to hear it because the world lies in darkness 
You know, I mean, I, I watch the, I mean, I'm, I'm a reader of news. I mostly do it on electronic forms. But, you know, I mean, if you just sit on the news and sit on this stuff, I mean, you're going to just, you're going to fill your mind with that. And not there's anything wrong with that necessarily. You just have to, you have to make sure that the, that the most of what you're hearing is kingdom, pure, lovely stuff, right? You're, and you're hearing God, you're hearing just, you're focused. You're, you're, you're protecting the atmosphere of your mind, uh, beyond that, so now it's time to talk about, okay, so how do I actually stay focused on what God has said? So one is remember, one is the focus to remember I need to do this at all. So faith teaching is such, so important. Um, you just feel pumped up. Don't you, don't you feel like when you listen to it, like, okay, give me a mountain to speak to. You know, uh, we got this, you know, you do. And, and, and that's, let me say this. I, I, I taught on Saturday about the power of our thoughts. You know, I talked about, because our thoughts lead feelings and feelings cause us to make decisions and then decisions and actions lead to results. And so if we're going to, if we're going to really do some, have some great results, then we have to have some great thoughts (laughs) and we need to have some joy and some righteousness and some peace. We need to have some fruit of the spirit, right? I mean, we should, and so those feelings are important. We have to manage our inner atmosphere. It doesn't mean everything is going right. It means that we're, that it means that our, we're thinking right. And it doesn't matter that everything's going right. What matters is we're thinking right. God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And, and because his thoughts weren't our thoughts, his ways weren't our ways. His behavior, his actions weren't our ways. Why? Because he was thinking the right thoughts. But anyway, so there's lots of ways to keep what God said in front of you. Um, When you're really focused on something, and for me, probably the best example in my life was when I was pregnant and when I was having to believe God for, you know, not having a miscarriage. It was like, I, you know, that was a pretty easy one to focus on because, the, you know, just the fear and thoughts about miscarriage were like a daily battle. Obviously, I've got a big old belly and I've got, you know, I mean, like you're pregnant, so it's kind of hard to forget. But it was really, actually, it was a testimony of how powerful focus is because it forced me to focus. I mean, it was just a time where I was forced to focus. In in my own life, because, as I just said, I just had a session where, you know, it's like he just was reminding me what God said. I have a journal, but that's why I got the full focus planner because if it's not in front of you, you know, and I'm not saying you have to get this planner, but it's, it's a, you have to have some kind of system where you are looking at your goals on a regular basis. Like you're, you're focused on this stuff. And then once you get your goal, you've got to be focused on what is it, what's the vision you're wanting me to have, God, of this completed? Like what are you wanting me to see related to this goal? And, and Holy Spirit will, will do that. He will show you what to see. You know, when I was pregnant, he showed me myself nine months pregnant, walking in the garden with Jesus. It was a vision of victory. He will give you a vision of victory so that you can see that goal as though it's already done. And I'll tell you, if it's a big enough goal, meaning it's enough out of your comfort zone, (laughs) where you feel like you're getting out of the boat and walking on water, that is actually a good thing because circumstances are a very good focuser, (laughs) you know? And so when you're out in a place of risk of any way, shape or form, it's, it's, it kind of tends you to, tends to get you to focus. 
right? So it needs to be a big enough goal that it means something to you, that you're wanting to focus on it, that it is, you know, a a big thing that's going to make a big difference in your life. It's kind of like with the book One Thing on Saturday, we're saying, what's the one thing that if you did that, everything else would become easier? I know for some people, it's getting a job. I mean, for example, you know, just, it's going to make everything easier. It's just going to make, it's going to make certain aspects of life. So for some people, it's, um, honestly, it's getting off of whatever, alcohol. If you got off of alcohol, that would make your, change everything in your life. I mean, in the natural, it's kind of like an anchor habit. It's like if you develop one habit, a whole bunch of other things become easier in your life. For example, I know with like exercise, if you exercise, if you make exercise the goal, for example, all of a sudden eating better is easier, yeah. right? And so, so it's a lot of uh, it, like a chain reaction, like a domino effect of things that start to go easy, you know, can become easier. So back to the focus. Well, then, because, you know, then what? Do you use sticky notes? Do you what, use whatever? Use whatever works for you. Um, for me, this planner is the new habit that I'm developing to keep me focused. And so really focus has got to become a habit. So you've got to, you've got to sit down and be like, okay, I know myself. I know how easy I get off track, how distracted I am and all those things. So what does that look like? Does that look like me waking up with you know, the recording of my prophecy automatically playing or something? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there's, you know, different ways to stay focused, but you, you've got to figure out what works for you. And I just chose the full focus planner. It's, it's a Michael Hyatt product because he's just like, you know, he's kind of like a John Maxwell. Oh wait, is it John? It is John. I don't know if I was thinking it was it John, but he's kind of like a leadership mentor and this is the planner he uses to keep him focused. And so it's just, for me, this felt like what I needed to do. And it's got a whole system of reviewing your goals, your top three. I mean, it's got a, it's a whole system around that. And honestly, it's what we'll be using in my programs uh, that are launching later in the year. So I'm just beginning to get accustomed with it myself. So.